Psalms 139, I'll be reading there uh, in a few minutes. I'm going to start a new series called There's an App for That. And this morning, I'm going to be dealing with the subject matter of He Knows, He Cares. Now, this has some teaching elements with it, but I really want you to catch the heart of what Scripture has to say when it comes to this subject matter, because we can acknowledge with our own intellect or our understanding, yes, of course, God knows, He's all-knowing, or God cares, yes, yes. But it really doesn't really strike a chord with us personally until we know that He knows about us or He cares about us. See, we can believe that God so loved the world, but sometimes we wonder if God so loved us. Sometimes you wonder if God, since He probably does know everything about us, and I think you'll see it's more than probably this morning, uh, wow, I wonder what He really thinks about me. I wonder if He really cares for me. I wonder if He could really have empathy or compassion towards me, since He is all-knowing. After all, sometimes that's the way we base our friendships or our relationships or the way that we converse with people. We care for people sometimes in the manner in which we believe we should care for them. But God doesn't treat us that way. God treats us better than we deserve. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. So these messages that I'm going to be sharing over the next several weeks, you know, from God's word, I believe that they're going to help us to understand how our faith is designed to enhance every aspect of our daily life. Since we're called to walk with God, that means it's a daily journey. It's a it's a daily decision that each and every one of us makes. So to start this series off, I, I thought we would begin by dealing with these two truths. Because I think we have to get this really settled down into our spirit before our faith really becomes vibrant. I think this can't be something that we just acknowledge as a creed or as a doctrine or as a truth. I think it has to be something much more real to that. I think it has to be relational. And therefore, I think it has to be redemptive in a revelation. See, it's the revelation of the truth that sets us free. It's just not, you know, just, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. But how is it impacting your everyday life, your daily life, your daily walk with Jesus? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it really is substantial. And and I believe that God is very practical. I think that God is bigger and and broader and, and beyond what we could ever hope, dream, or imagine as far as his desires, his thoughts, his plans towards us. I do believe that. But I think those are lived out one step and one day at a time. I don't think it happens all at once. I think there's some great things that can happen suddenly in our life. And then there's a whole nother season where we sort of walk with God and talk with God and trust in God and wrestle with God. And in the end, we end up having another encounter with God. And the story is told that way in Scripture over and over and over again because God is in the business of molding and shaping and forming and fashioning us after himself, after his son, Jesus Christ. So God knows and God's care is our subject matter this morning. And the way that I want you to think of this is one word, trust. Everybody say trust. Trust. Say it again. And one more time. Now, I have a friend with me. This is our sacred cow. And our sacred cow 
comes to us this morning on sponsorship of Larry Bird. Larry Bird made this many years ago and, uh, you know, used some of his art- artistic skills. And, and the reason that I bring this sacred cow up is because there's a statement that is very prevalent that's in our culture today, even among Christians. And, and could you maybe pacify me and let me know if you've ever heard this statement or maybe you've been one who's even said it? Here's the common statement. I don't think God really knows or cares what happens to us. The universe is so huge and we're so small and insignificant. Why would he be interested in what happens to us? Have you ever had that strain of thought that God is so big and so busy and so preoccupied with other things that how in the world and why in the world would he be interested in someone as insignificant and as small as me? Has anyone ever asked that to you? Have they ever asked the why question? If God is, why? And you can fill in the blank. Maybe you've asked that question. But I, I want to encourage you as you hear the word of God this morning, Not to think of the why question. I want you to think of the what question. Because the why question can really be hard to to understand or even answer. There are certain questions that won't be answered until we're in heaven. I believe that. I believe that there are things that God has reserved for those that love him. And I, I believe that, you know, God is not being cruel And God is not being unjust in that. It's just his prerogative. He's given us everything that we have need of. And he's given us evidence of everything that we have need of. And therefore, if he told us all the reasons why, maybe there wouldn't be so much to this trust word. Maybe if... We knew everything. It wouldn't be so much trust. Maybe he's protecting us from spiritual pride. If you knew everything the way God knew it, then maybe that would harm or hurt your own relationship of trust with him. So a better question to ask rather than why is what? Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And let's take our text. Psalms 139 says this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand or know my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted or you have knowledge with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So here is this psalm that begins out in the first six verses with five statements that God knows. God is acquainted. God knows. God understands. And They're absolute statements. It's not like he might know or he should know. He ought to know. These are things that are absolute. God knows. 
And then from there, the psalmist asked two questions that we're going to read about in verse 7 and 8. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Now he's going to spend the next several verses elaborating on the answer to those two questions. He says, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold, hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light unto me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide um, from you, but the, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. If God were like us, have you ever thought about that? If, if the roles were reversed and God was like us, would we have a difficult time trusting? See, here's the thing. God is, while we're made in his image, he's, he's not like us. He's above us. He's beyond us. Isaiah even says that, you know, who can measure the greatness of our God? Who is likened unto him? There's, there's no comparison. There's none beside him. There's none that, that you could say, well, this is. But in a sense, God has deposited by his spirit his nature within us. Part of him is us, what his attributes, his fruit. And we're so thankful for that. But God is not like us. In this sense, this morning, God is not limited. We're limited, but not God. You know, the statement that I made regarding our sacred cow, this might be true for some people. It might, the, the why question, the scenarios they're going through, the season of suffering that they're encountering, the injustices that, that they've had to weigh through are, are not to be discounted. There's real problems in this world. There, there are real issues that people are facing. And to try to give them a cookie-cutter answer is not respectful, nor is it honoring to the Lord. And when we can maybe answer their difficult questions with truth, I believe we begin to serve them in a more honoring and glorifying way unto the Lord. So maybe you're not struggling with God knows and God cares but I guarantee you, you're going to run into someone, if you haven't already, who struggles with this. And, and maybe this morning you can just take comfort and consolation and maybe where you can guide them into Scripture so the Holy Spirit can help them know that He does know and He does care. God is not limited. He does know and He does care. We're limited. He's not. You know, we can't keep track of everything that's going on in our lives. How many people in here are, are glad for some kind of mechanism or technology that helps you to find your keys? Do you lose your keys? And I always say to Char when, when she asks, what are you looking for? And I say, my keys. And she says, where are they? I said, the last place I left them. That's what I have to remember. <laughs> They're the last place that I left them. And, uh, and we, we're forgetful. God is not forgetful. God knows everything, is acquainted with all of our ways. And, and some people, when they hear that, they might not dispute it, but this might be their argument. Are you ready for this? 
people might dispute, might not dispute that he knows and he cares, but this is what they say. He's too big, potentially, to be interested or to care about us. And to me, that's the second statement that the sacred cow says, yes, God is big, too big, too big to be interested in us, small ants. And my question to that is, that's the whole point. I don't want to serve a small God. I want a big God who knows everything, who's acquainted with everything. I don't want to serve a God who's like me, who's limited. I have limits. I need to serve a God who can help me with my limitations. I don't need a God like me. I need a God bigger than me. And that's why Jesus came, was to reveal the Father to us. See, sometimes people, when they're making these statements, if if we only could answer them in ways that would allow the Holy Spirit to continue to draw them closer and closer to Jesus, we do them and we do the Lord such a great service. We can't give them these pat answers. Well, just believe. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they're endeavoring to do. That's what they need help to do. Have you ever read the account of the man who who was struggling with his own doubts and unbeliefs, and but he came to Jesus fully, you know, believing, but struggling with his unbeliefs? What was his request? Lord, I believe. And then here's the request. Help me with my unbeliefs. When we help people with their unbeliefs, we help people. And God is well pleased. So that's why this message is, I believe, so important. So when we know that he knows, this is a great statement. When we know that he knows, it inspires both reverential fear or awe of the Lord, as well as comfort that he also might care. That he might care. The knowledge that he knows, though, can lead to the comfort that he does care. But it starts with the he might care. He might be interested. He might come and help me in my hour of need. And this is where trust begins. Trust begins with just mustard seed faith. This might be a possibility. My marriage could be restored. This might be a possibility that my wayward child could come home. This might be a possibility that I can live free from addiction. This might be a possibility that I could be released from all of my past sins. But it grows from a might to, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. When people are led to Scripture, when they're led to the truth as it's found in God's Word. Matthew Chapter 6, we're going to be reading there in a moment. But let me continue to read through Psalms 139, verse 13. Are you guys ready? He says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now he is beginning to recite what he knows. And where did this all begin? When he found out that God knew. He said, if it's a case that you know, if it's actually factual, that you know everything about me, which is how the psalm starts. 
and I have these questions and I know that there's nowhere I can go or no place I can be that you won't be there, then I can come to this conclusion. Therefore, you were with me in my mother's womb. If all of this is true, and it is, then you've been with me since conception. You've been with me since the moment a seed was planted. And he goes on and he says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. His soul is coming to a place where he's knowing something. It's not just something that he's just, yes, yes, yes. It's like I have this experience with God. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written the day's fashion for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, then they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This, this knowledge that God knows has led him to these conclusions. If this is the way that it really is, and you're as big as you really are, then there's no way I can measure your vast love and interest in me. You think about me all the time. See how powerful the knowledge that God knows is? When you know that he knows, not as a creed or a doctrine or a saying, but as I know this deep within my soul, you're so acquainted with me. Even to the point that from conception all the way through my life, you've been there and your thoughts towards me. Listen, this is where we know he cares are not to get me, not to punish me. Your thoughts towards me are to help me. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Do you remember what those thoughts were? An expected end, a future. See, it's it's good to know that he knows. It's also important to see that that leads us that from he might care to he absolutely does care. He absolutely cares. Not only is he aware, he cares. And this moves us from why, why all of these things are happening to, Lord, what would you have me to do? Since I have this knowledge of you, what would you have me to do? Those are great questions. It's the first question that the soul of Tarsus asked after Jesus appeared to him. He says, Lord, what would you have me to do? The what question is is much more healthy than the why question. It leads us to obedience. It leads us to this one word that we're talking about today, and that's trust. Everybody say trust. It is. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I want to read now a portion of Jesus' teaching. And he's explaining who his father is. Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider or look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own, own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When we know that our Heavenly Father knows about all of our needs, and he does, and he doesn't want us to worry or be anxious about them, it gives us faith. It gives us faith to seek him first knowing that he will add everything to us that we have need of. Not only do we see here that God knows what we have need of, God cares that those needs are met. Just as he takes care of creation, he takes care of us, his own offspring, his own children, his beloved. He takes care of us. I want to read three more uh, uh, portions of Scripture to you this morning that really emphasize that God knows and that God cares. These are going to be on the screen for you. Psalms 8 and verse 3 through 9 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You have made uh, him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands And you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Here's the psalmist, right, asking the question that our friend the sacred cow asked. Remember? Oh, God, I mean, you're so majestic. You're so awesome. You're so big. You're so incredible. How is it that you're even mindful of me? How is it that you're paying attention to me? One of these little specks on this celestial globe that's spinning and hovered by gravity in outer space. How How is it that you're mindful of him? And then he goes on and he recalls God's faithfulness in creation. Yet you've made me. You're my maker. And you formed and you fashioned me. It's it's It almost parallels a portion of Psalm 139. I I think it might even be the seed for Psalm 139 as it it was written about and sung about earlier. This could have been the revised edition of Psalm 8. Could have showed up many years later and David's knowledge of God increased. His care was personal and he expounded on this this psalm. Have you ever heard of a, a song evolving and growing and developing over time. I I think this is part of what happened with this psalm. It was the seed of something that was much more significant. He stumbled onto something that helped him to understand God does know. 
I'm not just a speck on this planet. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My lying down, my rising up, there's not anything about me. Even the words or the thoughts are all, he's all acquainted with me. And the, and the good news is, is he's not holding it against us. He's the only one who can, right? He's the only one qualified to hold everything against us, but he chooses not to. He chooses to demonstrate his care and his love for us in many, in many wonderful ways every single day. Here's another great verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This shows the care of God. He, he gave you Jesus. In the midst of everything you don't like about yourself or all the things that you would punish yourself for, maybe you even are punishing yourself for, God's not punishing you. God gave you pardon. He gave you Jesus. And since he gave you Jesus, won't he freely give you everything else that you have need of? See, this knowledge of God helps us to understand he knows. And with this, he's not using this knowledge against us. He's using this knowledge to serve us. He cares for us. He came to us in our weakness and our brokenness. He came to us with all of our frustrations, all of our why questions that causes our, our fist to clench and our blood pressure to go up. And he, he helps us to where we open our hands and we say, God, what can I do for you? When it, when it moves beyond just the head knowledge to the experience that God loves, knows, and cares, what a difference it makes. My closing verse is found in Galatians chapter 4. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. Why? That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you were sons... Present tense, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out of a father. This is where the why turns to what? This is, this is, this is the point that you and I are born again. This is the point where we're changed. Therefore, you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But indeed, but then indeed, when you did not know God, and we've been there, You serve those which by nature were not gods. And I've been there. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Question mark. No, we don't want to be back in bondage. This knowledge lays the the, the foundation for our faith. When we know God knows and God cares, then we begin to converse and interact with Him. So when people ask a question or the sacred cow shows up and the sacred cow needs to be tipped over and says, you know, Pastor, I know that you study the Bible. They could be, you know, talking with you. They could say, Ray, I know that you've been a Christian your whole life and And you went from Baptist to Pentecostal and you're just all in and you read your Bible and you've been studying your Bible. But if God is so big and so powerful and so good, then why? Why all of these things? And those are legitimate questions. I'm not going to dispute or argue that they're not legitimate questions. 
But can we turn their why into a what by helping them to see God knows and with his no, knowing he has chosen to care for us, each and every one of us. So as you learn and grow in this knowledge, you're able to tip over the sacred cow. And no longer is it something that's an issue with you because you have embraced the truth and the truth has set you free. And you're no longer fearful of the Lord, but he's now your father. You're now an adopted son or daughter. You're not serving him out of duty or obligation. You're serving him because he cares for you. Even with all the evidence he had to use against us, he didn't use one shred of it. Never one time. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.